What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I am smarter than every moron on the college football playoff committee. Okay, yeah. We're that that's a topic for a whole other situation, probably for a whole other podcast. But if you didn't see anything this weekend, yeah, SEC championship, everything for college football has been apparently being apparently undefeated teams of power five conferences can't make the college football playoff uh, because somebody gets to determine um, who who deserves it more than the actual rankings and win loss records. Yeah, but like I said, Uh, that's for a whole nother topic. That's for a whole nother conversation. And we've been talking about it for a while, but I want to say thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. As always, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, as well as YouTube. We've got content available there, and more content is going to be coming this Friday. We actually had the pleasure of going to the Guardian's Legacy in Panama City this past weekend, and we want to thank everybody there that welcomed us with open arms. We want to thank Skip for allowing us to be there to do live commentary. So all the videos for that event will be available on Friday on our YouTube channel. But speaking of YouTube... We've actually had a clip, a reel, if you will, that's on our YouTube channel that has gotten a lot of notoriety just in the short time that it's been up on YouTube. And I've got the stats pulled up here right now. It has reached over almost 3,000 views and over 23 likes, which it may it may seem minuscule to a lot of people, but for us, just in the short time that it's been published, that's yeah, it's been up for less than a week. So that's, exactly, that's pretty good, especially for a startup podcast, a startup you know promotion like you know what we're doing. Uh, Three thousand views that that's that's pretty quick in our market. Absolutely, and the one that I'm referring to specifically involved a clip from one of the matches that we got to witness on November fourth at Solid Rock Championship Wrestling, and it featured Bryce Cannon and our special guest who we're about to introduce here in just a little bit, Johnny Romano. If you hadn't seen it, go to our YouTube channel, but it's a clip where Johnny Romano's son, and John has to apologize here in just a second to Romano, but we'll get into that in a little bit, but where his son got into the ring to interfere and Bryce Cannon nearly putting his son through the table, but of course Romano saving, getting the save and putting Bryce Cannon through the table. Awesome clip, awesome match. But with all that, I want to welcome our special guest, for this episode, Johnny Romano. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I, just, I did not know about the stats on that YouTube thing. That's, that's pretty awesome uh, to know that. I know Bryce Cannon's an up-and-coming talent, but I like to think I have had something with it. So Absolutely. I, and like I said, John has to give an apology to you because if you go back and listen uh, yeah, to the clip, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, you know, I'm a Southern Neanderthal. I can't count to 20 without, uh, you know, my, my shoes being off. So, uh, you know, but I will be I will I will proudly state that uh, I assume gender and I will continue to assume gender for better or for worse, right or wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there's no change in that. But yeah, but yeah, no, your, your, son, he's, he's your son did a great that. job. Thank you. He's been around, the, you know, the business like uh, pretty much uh, his whole life. Um, and there's actually another it's not on YouTube, but through Facebook, I'll send it to you guys later. Where on this specific show where uh, he was like maybe five or six. And uh, he did a spot where he did the people's elbow and it has like five, six thousand views, I think. So, oh, wow. Uh, but, you know, to, he's been around so many guys like I, I used to think like. That was his school, by the way. Like he went that Monday to school, and I would I dreamed about those types of things. Like would have loved for that to happen, you know, as a '90s kid. And oh, wrestling show is going to be here, but it's just like, all right, yeah, whatever, you know. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm, no, I grew um, up. Yeah, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Tallahassee in the you know in the in the in the '90s. Uh, you know, major wrestling fan, and you know, I, I I didn't know that there was any independent promotions anywhere, you know, within even six to eight hours of of where I lived. It, it's crazy. Like I go back and look on it now and realize, like in Tampa, how many wrestling academies were just you know four hours away. Um, it's one of those yeah. really difficult things. Like I think for a lot of people who are really into it, like. It's you have to like luck. You have to like either fall into it by mistake or luck into it by mistake to find somebody, you know, like a reputable trainer or academy 
um, that can, that can get you up on your feet and kind of show you the ways to go. But yeah, I mean like now, you know, like that's one of the things that we really care about on doing this show is just kind of shining the light on just how many independent promotions, you know, are around the, the North Florida, South Georgia, you know, South Alabama area. And then beyond that, you know, as, as we hope to grow, but it's just, it's crazy, you know, just how, I mean, my, on my personal end, how many new independent wrestling promotions I've learned about just in like the last year of us doing this program, you know, I thought there was maybe one or two and it's more like 12 or 14. Exactly. And and when you say that though, that's not to get like into like that business side of it. When my brain's going is like, that's a problem. Not from y'all side. That's a problem from us wrestlers, promoters, bookers. That if there's that many and guys like y'all don't know about them, then how are we reaching the common, you know, Joe Blow on the street? That I mean, there's rest. I mean, you, I can be at a place that I've been for years, and if you go to the convenience store, hey man, where's the wrestling show? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's wrestling here. There's wrestling in this. That's a problem. Right. That's, you that's know, a problem. Yep. When Absolutely. I've run some place six or seven years and you're getting the same 40 people and you're content. That, that's the problem. If you're just, then you're just having a, a, a barbecue. You're having a. Uh, I think we may have lost audio. He's still with me now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're back with us now. Yeah, sorry. We lost it for just a second. For, for, for all those that are listening right now, we're back to the resume call right now. So it, audio may not be the best, but th- nonetheless, we're still going to continue here. But, yeah, so sorry. You're basically having a barbecue. If you're not putting the money in the market and to uh, to advertise, to bring people in, and then spending the money on production to make it a, a well-worth-it event that people are going to want to return to, whether it be monthly or quarterly, um, or even annually. I mean, there, there are plenty of promotions that run annual shows and they maybe run one or two shows a year, but you know, if they're done right, there must see, you know, there must be there. Um, right. and you know, I'll definitely say we've, we've seen a spectrum of production and marketing and, uh, and everything like that. And you know, I guess it's, uh, you know, at some point it's kind of like, you know, people are doing their best and trying their best, but, uh, uh, yeah, it almost you almost wonder if you know if if the different promotions if they could pull their resources, uh, if it would be better to converge and to have you know lo- larger regional than just local promotions. Right. But uh, kind of one of the, the things I want to get that is that you have promotions that I was going to say real quick. The problem with that is that you got promotions that when somebody gets ticked off or a greenhorn just decides they want to be like I'm going to start my own promotion. They just go do it, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's no you know, thing to say, and then, then a common fan can't separate it. He just sees pro wrestling, and he don't realize like, well, this is not nobody that they don't know what they're doing up here. But anyway, go ahead, let's get started. <laughs> That's all right. No, hey, like I said, That's what we're here for. We, we, yeah, we enjoy the conversations. We enjoy just talking about professional wrestling here, and that's what we love. That's what we're about here. So, any chance we get to talk to an independent Absolutely. wrestler or anybody about professional wrestling, we take full opportunity of it. But like I said, we try and keep it under the hour because. Lord knows people don't want to hear us talk for two hours or so. They probably ain't got that long of attention span. <laughs> but uh, yeah. first off, I want to try and get into how, how did you first get into professional wrestling? Um. Well, I mean, as far as a fan, uh, you know, you uh, I just started watching like these independent ones that were on like, you know, Jerry Lawler's USWA would come on like a local school. And uh, before that, and you're talking about like five, six years old. I knew of it, but it was like I grew up in a religious household. And for that early on days, it was like, oh, you ain't supposed to watch this. This is pre-attitude era. They still thought it was bad. But I just remember um, um, turning on Monday Night Raw in 93. So it's like right at the beginning. That's the the, and, the new uh, era when it was nothing but, you know, Duke the Dumpster Josie and Doink the Clown. So not, not really that edgy, but you're saying, yeah, still not considered uh, – proper etiquette for the uh primitive christian home right but then i just turned it on and um i saw i to this day i, I say this was i'd been kind of like watching it casually and and then i got to where uh, i was watching it religiously on monday nights and 
right at those first couple months is when one, two, three kid and Razor did their match where it basically started one, two, three kids career. And I said, seeing him, I was like, I want to do this. I want to do what he's doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Shawn Michaels ended up becoming one of my favorites, but definitively, if you, if anybody asked me, what was that key moment? It's in that little town of Moultrie, Georgia, uh, that little kid, you know, in 1993, seeing, you know, him run off with a bag of money. I even have the the set of figures that represent that. That's how much it meant to me. I never got to meet Scott Hall, but I got to meet, uh, you know, Sean Waltman later on. And I was like, hey, man, I, this might sound so cliche and corny, but that match defined who I became as a person. And from then on, I was just like the Uber fan. And, you know, that attitude era is when everybody was watching it. Mm-hmm. But I was watching it when nobody was watching it. Yeah, you're you, that period where nobody was. You cut your teeth on the indie scene, yeah. and then yeah, you 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 came in. You and me are kind of similar, I think. Yeah, I was probably a little bit later than you. You started in '93. I I didn't start till did the tail end of '95, beginning of '96. So you know, my first memory being rest, you know, is WrestleMania 12 and Shawn Michaels. But you know that that Scott Hall and one two three kid moment. You know, Scott Hall doesn't get enough credit for putting younger talent over on a regular basis like so many wrestlers will sit there and have a story and and if they have a scott hall story it's him saying hey you want to win tonight i've already won here before so why you know you just pinned me and then they said well you're supposed to win because it's not gonna help him to win like he's it's he knows like when he let jericho he gave jericho the overall nitro before jericho was really doing anything And it's just he knows like me beating you won't help me, but you beating me won't hurt me, but it will elevate you. That's yep. you know what uh, it takes a long time for a lot of guys to play. And plus, he's like one of the I learned so much from him just listening to interviews about how to work smart and not hard. Like when he would do like those matches for like Coliseum home video where it would just be like a little, you know, eight minute match against yep. whoever. If you notice, one of the spots he used to always do would be an abdominal stretch. And he said, I did that because of a couple things. One, I would just be talking to ref, like, how many more minutes we got? And I'm just working that hole. And then I'm also flexing for the people taking pictures for the magazines. So now they're more likely to put me in the magazines. And now I'm not bumping. He's not bumping. I'm not hurting either one of us. Now we got two minutes to go. Rev it up. Let's get to the finish. I'm like, work smart, not hard. You know what I mean? So, genius nah, see, guy br- brilliant mind for the business. One of my one of my favorite things that Scott Hall one of the, you know quotes and then practices was that you know he didn't. I don't see a whole lot of guys that do this anymore, and and it they really they really should is you know he he had a great finisher. Everybody knows the Razor's Edge. Uh, and one of the reasons I think the Razor's Edge is, is still to this day such a cool move is because Scott wouldn't use it for every match. Like yeah, not only, only was it not only was it protected. Of it. Yeah, well, not only was it protected, like people don't kick out of it, but it wasn't even like he doesn't even go to that that, you know, it's like uh if you if, if you go to your toolbox and you pull the hammer out every single time, your hammer's an everyday tool. But mm-hmm. when you turn a uh your finishing move into, you know, a power saw <laughs> or a sledgehammer, you know, you only use it in special conditions. It makes it that right. much more special when the crowd sees it. And then for, you know, when the talent is, is selling it and you're getting over with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, Absolutely. you have to pull out all the stops on every single show. You got to leave them wanting something else, you know, but yeah, right. but yeah, so, that was the reason why he, he that match alone was the reason why I said it. And then I just became, I mean, obsessed with wrestling to like a, probably a very unhealthy degree. Like if I was doing reports, I'd find some way to involve wrestling. Like I did a report on Abraham Lincoln because I found out that he had wrestling matches and I yep. somehow tied that in. Black History Month, I did Booker T and Ahmed Johnson while everybody else was doing MLK and, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm X. Like I would find any which way to pull it back to to this thing, uh, and it was you know it was cool during night those 
Monday Night Wars because everybody, you know, and there was a period in like seventh grade where my entire wardrobe was a wrestling shirt for every day of the month. Like I, I just didn't wear anything else. And then, uh, you know, 2000s hit and it kind of like leveled off, but I just, I stayed with it that whole time. So that was, I mean, I was ordering the pay-per-views when I wasn't supposed to. And I was just like <laughs> butt whooping. I would tell my dad, no, 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 no. It's just something normal. It's just a regular thing. Cause my dad was way older when he had me. And then the light bill, I mean, the uh, cable bill would come in and I'd get my butt whooped, but it was always worth it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was doing all those kind of things. So I was, right. I'm a big figure mark, uh, collecting wrestling figures my whole life. So it's just, it became my obsession uh, to an unholy degree. So, you know, <laughs> That's 20 incredible. years so, later doing this, I'm still here. So uh, what? when was the moment where it hit that this is what you want to do. Like, this is where you want to, like you want to do the go be a professional wrestler. Like when did that happen or when did that spark click for you? Um, well, I mean, like I said on that, that well, I think it was like January something. No, it was like maybe February when I saw that, that storyline of one, two, three kid in razor where, you know, one, two, three kid beat him once. And then it was like, come back to do the, um, $10,000 money bag match or whatever and he beats him uh that was just where i was like that right there that's what i want to do and then then i became more obsessed with you know sean michaels in 93 94 95 and how man this dude's really cool whether he was uh you know a heel or a, a baby face and it was just it, that that moment i would tell everybody you know i was still always the smallest kid i was like I, i'm gonna be a professional wrestler that's what i want to do and uh somehow somewhere i figured it out along the way that's awesome, nice. man. Uh, so one of the things we like to do anytime they have, we have a guest on the podcast, we always like to ask them who their Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling is. And the one thing I love about us doing this is, is that every single time that we have someone on here, it's always someone different. Like there's either a wild card that they throw in there or there's one that's pretty universal that most everybody puts in there. But mm -hmm. I just kind of want to ask you, who is your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling? Well, you kind of briefed me a little bit earlier that that would be one of the questions I was trying to go through my, you know, mind. Where you know, and here's the thing with the, when you do these Mount Rush Mount Rushmore things, it's usually like three are fairly easy, right? It's that fourth one. It's that that mm, this is my last one, right? But just off the cuff, and I, my reasons, Sean, uh, Sean Michaels, just because uh, I just I just think that he I dressed up. I'll send y'all that picture too. I dressed up as Sean Michaels. For career day in seventh grade, uh, that's <laughs> where my obsession was. Uh, you know, my my one of my aunts or grandmothers or whatever made a full on Shawn Michaels outfit, uh, and that's who I wanted. You know, be so just because my obsession with him, I got to put him in there. Plus, I think that he'd be he'd be on a lot of people's. I am not saying I've never met him. Uh, I've always heard "Don't Meet Your Heroes," and I've heard enough to say that he might not be. You know, the nicest guy maybe you've changed. I don't know, you know. But anyway, I would say Sean. Then I'm going to say uh, Jericho. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think Jericho is the ever-evolving, just, I mean, this dude, his gimmicks, even this period of being in AEW, which has only been like, what, four years, he, he yep. has rotated himself through that. He, he never stuck with one thing there. It's almost um, as, uh, I mean, his, like he, he decides that every year he's going to get a new gimmick over, and and it's it's not silly. It, it's it's over over like the list thing was mm -hmm. over. Like once it hit a plateau, he's like, "Let me put this away." The the suit wearing Nick Bockwinkle uh, era with him and Sean when they did that was a whole deep thing, and then you know, kind of going back to a rocker vibe when he went to um you know AEW, and then. Of course, you know, the early, early Ayatollah of rock and roll, all that kind of stuff. I just think he's just, I, I truly think that he may, to me, may be the GOAT uh, because of just, if you think about the period of wrestling he's been through. Um, and then I'm there, maybe this is the curveball for you. Uh, I'm going to say Raven uh, just because I oh, think he's nice. one of the smartest minds in wrestling. Uh, mm -hmm. Any totally worker is listening to this, please go and find it on YouTube. His there's a whole uh, RF video thing of him telling uh, how a match should go. And it's it's just the Bible of, of, of a pro wrestling match. I just think he's one of the genius 
people of pro wrestling, and I think uh, I fall somewhere in the line between a, a Scotty Flamingo and a Raven of my character, depending on the day. Uh, so that's <laughs> that would be my my third one, and man, that fourth one. Hmm. Yeah, that that's man, where it gets man. it gets foggy and it gets troublesome because you got so many that you want to go through, but then that fourth one is just like, well, do I want to go with this one or do I not? Oh man, I would. It, it, it depends on if you're going about, and I got two in my head, and I'll, I'll just do one as a, uh, uh, you know, honorable mention. I'd say Regal, just because I just think he's the, the mind he has for wrestling. But as far as like pure love of what I I liked, I'm gonna go with Mr. Perfect. Oh I yeah. I just think you know his matches with Bret Hart and Bulldog and all that are just some of the best ever, and I think he was. Uh, go out of your way to find that match with him and uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, it was like a dark match. It's really good. But uh, I just think he's just one of the best and kind of forgotten for this era of wrestling, you know. So that would probably be my four. Could it change? Maybe. But overall, those three have always been a, a mainstay. Wow. Well, like I said, uh, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here. Um, do you have any events that you're going to be at soon that people can find you or where can they find you on social media? Uh, you, I mean, just Facebook. I'm on TikTok. Um, you just look up Johnny Romano, the pop star. It's going to pop up. Uh, don't really do the X or TikTok, whatever the hell you want to call right. it. <laughs> um, but I don't I don't have anything for like this the December period. Uh, just kind of chilling out. You know, I'm, I'm nowadays it's, it's weird being the oldest guy in the locker room. So I usually take a few weeks off at that, that last year. I got year. you. Uh, but I got CWF and Milton is probably my home base fed uh just great group of guys love to have y'all down there um uh you know i'm starting to work with uh with logan stevens down there at uh, guardians um of course i got uh in what is it headland alabama you have hybrid uh, yeah hybrid pro and uh yeah i got a couple spots in mississippi i've been going to S- swa is really really great fed uh, so, I, I mean, you know, I'm making my way around the area just right now. I'm uh, just focusing on family for the month of December. I got you. Absolutely. And you, you made mention of uh, you and Logan Stevens because uh, I know that it's uh, mentioned that you and Logan Stevens are the Solid Rock Championship Tag Team champions there, I believe. And there's been a certain group that we've had issues with by the name of Order 66 that has been gunning for you and the tag titles. And I just want to say... I hope that y'all absolutely destroy them whenever y'all get the chance. I mean, it's listen, that whole group of guys, I've wrestled every single one of them, and might I say beat every single one of them. I'm just going to put that on record. Uh, and I've known Duke for the better part of my whole career. He was, while I was out running the roads wrestling, he was still buying the tickets, uh, sitting in the crowd. So he's a good guy. They're all a good group of people. They just, you know, Sometimes they think they're just biting off more than they can chew if they want to try to take on TRL. I mean, we've been around, we've held tag titles and several different promotions. And, you know, that's my best friend in this business. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think those uh, tag team titles are going to go anywhere anytime soon. Absolutely. Well, Johnny, like I said, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Hopefully we'll get to see you soon in another event, but thank you for joining us here. Man, it went by way too quick. I love it, man. Have me on again, man. I love to just talk any kind of wrestling y'all want to, man. It was a pleasure, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Johnny. Love to do it. All right, Johnny, you ready for some reviews? Have I ever said no? Absolutely not. And I hope you never say no, because I think this week has definitely been a week full of very interesting segments and some interesting matches, some more so than others. But we'll get to that here in a second with our high spots and our botches. So, yeah. My high spot for the week, you know, a lot of things going on in WWE and a lot of things going on in AEW, but for this one, I chose from WWE, and it was Randy Orton's return to Monday Night Raw and also his uh, return to Friday Night SmackDown where he targeted the bloodline. And just just for me personally, I thought this was one of those moments that we wouldn't see just based on Orton's injury, but... So glad to see him back, and he is looking probably the best that he's looked 
in years. Like yeah, super like shredded, week, uh, like cut, looking amazing. Yeah, like I said on last week's episode, he he looks better than he did when he left. Like he, you know, he was leaner uh, before the injury, and you know now he's back to just being completely jacked. You know, he's built that muscle, that uh, protection around his back, and uh, you know he's been throwing RKOs like uh, like only Randy can. So exactly the RKO to Dom, and then the RKO to JD McDonough in War Games, the RKO even to Nick Aldis. I yep. thought was absolutely amazing. Like nobody can do a cutter. I, I would say, and this is probably going to be differing opinions here. I would say Randy Orton has the best cutter in professional wrestling. I don't know who's going to argue with you on that one. I don't think anybody has a, a who who is made. Well, I mean, you, of course, you got uh, Diamond Dallas Page. You got Diamond, but, but like, let's face it, Diamond's cutter was very clunky. Yeah, uh, it was. You know, Diamond was a great showman, and he got the move over. But uh, you know, he's uh, it, it was Diamond's cutter was almost like it's like a mix between a cutter and a stunner. Like, right? It, it was not as fluid. And then you've got guys like you know Cody and Jay Lethal who do right. different forms of cutters. Uh, and you know, you got guys who do TKOs, which involve a cutter. But like at the end of the day, if you want to talk about you know, fluid out of, no, you know, they say out of nowhere. Exactly. Um, you know, he's done it in so many different creative ways, whether it's, you know, uh, in the springboard on uh, Cutter when Shelton Benjamin um, tried to springboard him and he, and he got the RKO, the one right. for J.D. McDonough off the, the War Games cage. The one I mean, from Evan Bourne when he's going into the shooting star press. Shooting star press into a Probably cutter, the best I mean, one, in my opinion, is whenever uh, him and Seth Rollins battled at WrestleMania 31, I think it was. This is the one whenever he cashed in that night on Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. But when Seth was going for the curb stomp and literally just launched him up into the air from the back of his neck and landed the RKO. Yes, that was another fantastic one. No, yeah, Rand, just Randy, Randy Orton, is the king of the cutter. I, 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 I'll stake it here now. And if anybody wants to pillage and burn me for saying it, um, come meet me. We'll talk. Exactly. We'll meet afterwards. We'll meet in the parking lot. <laughs> but yeah, that that was my high spot for the week. Uh, what you got? Uh, high spot for the week is going to go to the CM Punk interview. Um, you know, just because of what it was. It was CM Punk on WWE Monday Night Raw. Um, we you never know, thought we it, it, never thought you'd see it again. And you know, when he when he debuted at the end of war games, it was great, but it was, you know, it was 15 to 20 seconds. He you didn't hear him talk, you just saw him come out. Um, uh, you know, he came out, he spoke like CM Punk. Granted, he I mean he it, he didn't say anything that was over the line, he didn't say anything that uh you know could be misconstrued for going into business for himself. Uh, didn't say anything negative about AEW, which I'm sure is probably contractually obligated. Exactly. But, uh, you know, he was still very much CM Punk. Right. Uh, and, and he made the crowd excited. Uh, so, and only like he can, you know, cause, and you know, we've said it before, CM Punk is a draw and he's going to probably give them the best ratings that they've ever had in any WrestleMania or any, uh, WWE Monday night raw or SmackDown taping that they've ever had in a while just because he's CM Punk. But then it begs the question, like, where are they going to go with him from here? Because, of course, there's well, talks so that, where that, Seth that, Rollins you know, is going to... Part of what I was saying, yeah, is his, his interview was, I mean, you know, he didn't come out and say it, but he he pretty much laid it right then and there. Seth Rollins is not happy that he's back, and he's going to deal with Seth Rollins in time. And right. so you can tell that's where they're building. You know, yeah. you can It's see... like he said like whenever the whenever the promo was over, he looked at the camera and said, "I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make money." That's right. And uh, anybody that's in business, that's that's uh that's rules 1, 2 and 3. Exactly. So then it just begs the question that where are they going to go from here cuz I don't see them giving the title to CM Punk at the expense of Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I I don't see that happening. But then again, you know, I never. I said that CM Punk would never come back to WWE, and look what happened. But there's talks about all these different things they want to try and do with CM Punk, whether it's having Seth Rollins and CM Punk, or even people have rumored that they might try and go with Stone Cold Steve Austin and CM Punk at WrestleMania, which I don't see. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin now 
I don't think it would give a good match with CM Punk. But at the same time, I don't know how that would fare for come WrestleMania. Now. Come now, Cody. Come now. Give deference to to one of the greatest. Oh, no, I'm not knocking Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's, the, he's one of the greatest of all time. match with, with Kevin Owens just two WrestleManias ago. Uh, it's the, the, we ne- I never thought Stone Cold would come back for another match, period. I mean, that talk about a guy, you know, who who said it and, and stuck to it longer than anybody longer than anybody else. Stone right. Cold has stuck to when he retired, you know, he's always willing to come in, give somebody a stun, stunner, do a beer bath, but an actual ring in the ring match. He has he, you know, I want to say it was probably close to what? 18, 19, 18 or 19 years. I mean, between time in the ring, uh, like everything else was just, you know, a one-off cameo spot, but like, you have stone cold come in i mean yeah he's not going to be stone cold of the 90s right. but then again it's not punk of the 2000s exactly uh, so i mean the pace of it might work well for where they're two, at in their respective two brilliant minds they can figure out how to put on a five-star match without oh, being yeah. the young bucks and you know bumping and flipping every four seconds absolutely and you don't need to do that and with these guys they know that they don't need to do all that they know that they can get over with just doing not the bare minimum but doing enough just to get by and to try and work a great match but yeah you know it, it just i'm just interested to see where they're going to go from here but you know we they never have know. so many they have so many avenues that they can go down the, the great thing is is as long as they take the time to tell the stories there's a lot of stories going to be told. Just like I said on last week's episode, and I'll reiterate it again, what I would really like to see is realism in the stories. Absolutely. I mean, it's it is it's it's not a secret that that punk has got some hostilities with different people in the back, and even if some of those hostilities hostilities may have been, uh, you know, if there's water under the bridge, that's great. But let's pull out a little bit of that uh, frustration for some realism. You know, I th- I go back and I think on some of the, the greatest stories that, you know, and, and, and builds to matches. And they're always ones that have that little bit of modicum of truth. You know, like when Triple H turned on Shawn Michaels and, and, and said, you know, I was sick and tired of playing second fiddle to you. And the best thing that ever happened to me was when you broke your back. Like, right. Stuff like that, you know, it really it really rings true to the fans because, you know, it's like, why wouldn't you think that same thing with like, you know, with Edge and Christian and everything they're doing over at AEW. It's like, of course, they're best friends, but you can't imagine that they haven't had some form of jealousy for one another at some different points in time. Uh, so to ignore that in the build up for a match, you know, just for the sake of, I guess, what trying to keep trying to keep emotions low. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope I hope that uh, they can they can really get the the full juice from Seth Rollins and CM Punk and that they'll let them go and trust that those two guys, you know, at the end of the day, they do business. Right. And that's the thing I was going to make mention of, because, I mean, that would be like we said before, WrestleMania night, one main event that I mean, that's your main event, CM Punk and Seth Rollins. Yep. But the, the question then begs are they going to be able to be professional and put their personal feelings aside in order to have a great match? Because we've seen CM Punk's actions in AEW. Now, granted, it's a totally different situation and different things going on backstage that led to those events. But yeah, at the same so time... CM Punk prompted zero of those act- of those issues. Oh, yeah, 100%. But then that begs the question, like, is it going to be the same thing here where there's going to be some issues backstage that spill over into what the fans see on TV, or is this going to be something that they can just do like Sean and Brett did back in the day where they just put it aside in order to give the fans what they paid to see and that's see them wrestle and give them a good match. I'm hoping to see a redemption story. I'm hoping to see the return of the prodigal son. You know, he said it in his, uh, in his promo on, on, on Monday, he's home. Right. And you know, it's kitschy, but at the end of the day, where did CM Punk make the most money and where did his name become infamous? It was WWE. So I exactly. Mean, he can, I mean, he can tell this, he can tell the story like what he did at AEW and talk about returning to professional wrestling. And that's true, but it's also true that WWE, you know, that you should consider that your home. That's where you got over the most in your life. You made the most amount of money. You met your wife, you got married. Like 
you know, that, that there's, there's all that that goes into his story with WWE. And so, you know, just with what we've already seen and the fact that he went and voluntarily was apologizing to people when he wasn't even contracted with the company, you know, I, I really, you know, we, we can't predict the future, but I, I, I'm going to hold out hope that this is the redemption story for CM Punk and that, you know, by the end of this run, you know, it's, there won't be any question, uh, you know, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer into the WWE Hall of Fame. And, you know, people will, you know, put the respect on his name that it deserves. Absolutely. So going off of our high spots, we get into our botches. Now, mine is pretty much just this thing as a whole is this whole tournament that AEW is doing to crown like a triple crown champion with this whole World's Collide event that they have where, I mean, you've got some great competitors in this tournament but it's like what is the point of this like this makes no sense i i don't understand why you're trying to put so many titles on one individual you got because you have the ring of honor world title because i mean you have the ring of honor world title you have um the uh new japan is it strong open weight championship open yeah the open weight yeah no great minds think alike cody this is actually my low spot too and not because of the matches the matches have been fantastic oh absolutely it's just the the problem is is i'm i'm watching these matches and they have no teeth. They have nothing for me to uh, to bite into. You know, back in the day, the King of the Ring, you know, when they first came out with the King of the Ring, the King of the Ring, uh, the, the crown and the scepter, the King of the Ring crowned a champion. And then the King of the Ring, you know, if you won, you, you, you got a championship opportunity. And then it became just by itself the King of the Ring tournament. You knew who won the King of the Ring tournament. That's who the company was going to be pushing, you know. Stone Cold won, and then the very next year, you know, ninety Stone Cold wins in ninety six, and ninety seven is the year of Austin, you know, and then he wins the title in ninety eight, and it's off to the races, you know. In in ninety seven, uh, I want to say was it Triple H who beat Triple H beats Mick Foley, right, to be the King of the Ring, and he's the game. Yes, um, uh, you know, and the list go the list goes on of people who you know Edge won the King of the Ring. You can totally – these tournaments are awesome, but they have to have teeth to establish their legacy. So you But there's got to be substance behind it as to, like, what and, are they going to gain from this other than and a I'm crown not trying and a to trash, and, and, you know, I, to anybody who's listening, I'm not trying to trash the Ring of Honor World Championship because I love Ring of Honor. Absolutely. But, but this Ring of Honor is not the same Ring of Honor. This is not – the Battle of Los Angeles Ring of Honor. This is Ring of Honor that's been purchased by AEW and is now the developmental for AEW. Exactly. So, that's what it feels know, if like. We, if we compare apples to apples here, this is the equivalent of having a, a tournament on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown with a bunch of established Raw and SmackDown champions who are trying to fight to win the NXT world title and then some other title that doesn't even have anything to do with the promotion. Exactly. It's a lot to do about nothing. I mean, it's this is not very hard to do. You have a tournament like this. You make it for the number one contendership for the title. You say whoever wins this is going to go to this pay-per-view and, and be able to pick whatever match they want. And there you go. Now you've got now you've got stakes that people can believe in and buy into. But no, I I don't I don't buy into the stakes currently. And so even though these matches are good, they're not great because I'm they're just going through the motions. Exactly. See, that's the thing I wish that they would go back to, especially with AEW and uh, with uh, WWE, where they would have two separate brands and keep it at that. Like not trying to do crossovers where they have people coming over from SmackDown or people coming up from NXT or people coming down from Raw to NXT. Just keep them all separate and keep them all on their respective brand and keep that brand warfare going that they used to have back in the day. Like whenever they had Survivor Series and it was Team Raw and Team SmackDown going against each other, I loved that. I loved those matches and I loved whenever they had brand competition. See, and that's what yeah. AEW needs. They need to have their own set roster for Collision and their own set roster for... um for dynamite and rampage yeah, they were, i mean you could do away with rampage i don't i don't really see the value yeah Ram, rampage is rampage is like uh what, do you, what, what was that uh that show that came on like before oh, uh, or after vel- uh, velocity velocity yeah rampage yeah. is the equivalent of velocity these days exactly um and no it's just at the uh, yeah the the brand split was kind of of, you know they didn't ever they didn't ever call it a brand split to their credit they never called it a brand split but when punk was there it was very much these talents are on 
collision and they're wrestling on Friday nights. And then, you know, these talents are on dynamite and they're wrestling on Wednesdays. And it was, I liked it. I liked the, uh, you know, I, I honestly was, was becoming more of a collision fan than a, than a dynamite fan. And then after, you know, punk's gone, they start, you know, they start intermingling the, the talent in again. And you once again see guys who weren't getting time on Dynamite that were getting time on Collision losing time to the same people on Dynamite who have plenty of time on Wednesday. Right. Um, it, you, know that, it, you know, that gives me an idea, John. That's what we should do one time for one of our episodes. We should do our own, I guess, AEW draft where one of us picks Dynamite and one of us picks Collision and we just like create our own brands. I'm for it. You know, that, that could be a future episode, but that, that that's for a whole other conversation another time. But yeah, just this whole tournament just doesn't really, the, like we said, the competitors are great. You had Claudio Castanoli, uh, Brian Danielson, you have Mark Briscoe, you've got Jay White, Jay Lethal, Jay, White, uh, Jay Lethal, uh, Roosh, um, uh, Brody King. I know I'm probably missing a few. Oh, uh, Swerve Strickland. Like the list goes on and on. You've got some great individuals here, and it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top of this and where they go from here. But just the the whole idea of it doesn't really make sense because, like you said, it kind of just cheapens Ring of Honor and makes it not not as special as it once was. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, at the end of the day, it's like uh, you look at the list of guys that are wrestling here and. You know, they're going to be killing each other for what? So they can be the champion of a program that's only available online? Exactly. And, no, and same thing with, and if same I'm, thing if with I'm Jay White and I just got done doing a program with MJF that, you know, where I, where I had a match with MJF on a pay-per-view and now I'm in a, a, I'm in a, a, a tournament to try to win a title, let's say, for an internet championship. It it just it's it's bad booking, it's bad philosophy, uh, it's bad psychology. I don't, you know, I just the I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, and claim that I would be any better as a promoter because obviously I'm not a promoter, so I can't say that I am any better. But um, the question that every promoter and every talent should always be asking themselves is how does this get me more over? Right. And you know the, this tournament, like for a guy like Daniel Bryan, or for you know a guy like Claudio Castagnoli, or Jay White, or Jay Lethal, there's nothing about this tournament that gets them over. Now you look at guys like Brody King, Swerve Strickland, you know Roosh, you know they might they might you know benefit from a little rub of winning a a, a tournament, and you know maybe that's what these maybe that's what this tournament's for. Maybe these established talents are going to lose, and we're going to see a winner come out of you know your more rookie talent but still it would be a lot more it would be a lot more valuable if if the talent uh the success of the tournament translated to more success on their actual program right but yeah so as far as the win for this week i give the win to wwe for this one i mean hands down just from the segments alone and just from everything that's been going on recently since war games it's hands down WWE has the win for this one for me. Yeah, WWE is definitely pouring. You know, it's that time of year. Uh, you know, we're we're on the road to WrestleMania as we gear up towards Royal Rumble, and this is just what WWE does. It's a you know, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine, and it's you know the 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 seasons have changed. The winter is cooler, and uh, WWE is pouring gasoline on the fire getting everybody ready for Royal Rumble and getting everybody ready for WrestleMania. Exactly. So, you know, it's going to be hard for AEW to compete. You know, I think they're going to try their best, but, you know, bringing CM Punk back, having Randy Orton return from injury, um, those are two big things that AEW is going to have to figure out a way to kind of respond back and figure out a way to make their program must see exactly. even though they're on different even though they're on different days there's just so much content nowadays and even us who are you know lovers of prof all things professional wrestling it's like that you get to a point where like man i can only watch so much professional wrestling in a in a week and uh you know right now wwe has 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 the must-see programming where aew uh i'll i'll watch it when i can get to it and that's you know i don't like saying that but yeah, they're getting the DV. They get the DVR award for the week. Right, exactly. Now, I will say there is one thing that I'm uh, interested to see, and kind of threw me for a loop because we've heard talks about Sting having his last match at Revolution, 
and I don't know, maybe this should be a conversation for next week's episode or whichever, but you know, when people were bashing that Ric Flair is going to be his last opponent at Revolution, to me, I don't think that you could have picked anyone more perfect for this. Now, granted, Ric Flair is not like the young, like 90s looking Ric Flair that he used to be. He's a little worse for wear. We saw that in whenever he had the tag match with uh, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. But at the same time, this guy has been a Rick Flair. A prominent figure in Sting's career. Sting- if, if, at the end of the day, no, he's he's Rick Flair. If 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 Rick Flair wants to have his funeral in a squared circle and still go over, he's Rick Flair. He's earned exactly. That right. And that's the thing, because I am fully behind like, Sting, this. I think Sting's this is earned, a great right. I mean, now are we sure that that's a match? I thought it was Sting is wrestling and that Rick's gonna be in his corner. You you you're saying that we we've heard that it's going to be Flair versus Sting. Yeah, I think it's Flair versus Sting. Now, okay, then again, I, I may be I wrong, but I think fact, that's what they were said. If that's the fact, I mean, at the end of the day, this is not a wrestling match. Once again, this is not a wrestling match about flips and bumps. This is a wrestling match. If, if this if this is what it's going to be, this is a wrestling match about respect. Exactly. This is a wrestling match. Like you know, I'd put it at the same level as like a. You know, um, you know, if if Ali and Frazier decided in their in their seventies before either Pat, you know, before uh, Ali passed, that they wanted to go in for one round and and have a and have an AARP championship match, you're going to watch the match exactly because it's I mean, Ali and Frazier. It's, exactly, it's Flair and it's Flair and Sting. No, they're they're not going to go like they did in the eighties and nineties. But at the same but time, these guys have been these guys have been producing your entertainment since for Ric Flair since the seventies, for Sting since the eighties. You know, you any profession, any self righteous professional wrestling fan needs to to sit down, shut up, let these guys go out the way they want to go out, and stand up and clap when it's done, and say thank you, Sting, thank you, Rick. Exactly. Because one I mean, day they're going to be gone. Give, I would we'll give no anything opportunity to see them again, and we'll have this match. I would give Hopefully. anything to be there in person just to see this match because these two guys. I mean, I absolutely idolize like Ric Flair. I love Ric Flair. I love watching his older matches, especially whenever he had rivalries with guys like uh, with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage or uh, I think uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was. Or no, I'm thinking of a different one, but. Uh, just him and Sting in this match is going to be just absolutely amazing. It's like we said, there's not going to be high-flying offense. There's not going to be any tr- flips or tricks or anything fancy. It's going to be stri- strictly wrestling, and that's no, all it needs is, to be. Now, the question is... This is two guys who represent, you know, and I'm going to say this. They, they really do. They represent NWA. They represent oh, 100%. Rocket. They represent WCW. They, they, they're, you know, these guys. These are staple people for a lot of different promotions. Yeah, the, these now guys the question, represent a, a wrestling world that is is like I said, it's it's gone, it's died off. But they're see, they're icons that pervade promotion. They're icons that that you know they've they've contributed everywhere they've gone. They've built and 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 here's the thing, unlike your your Hogan's or some of your other older people. These guys put over young talent. Yes, definitely. Sting, Sting never, never, never talks about Ric Flair without talking about how Ric Flair put him over. Absolutely. And, you know how? And I think how many people did Sting put over in WCW and TNA, and even now here in AEW? Right. You know, like you know, Sting has existed for the last twenty years of professional wrestling to do nothing but put other talent over. Yes. Uh, now the question uh, is, are we going to see the crow sting, or are we going to see surfer sting in his last match? Well, I mean, obviously, okay, so it makes sense that you can see the surfer sting because of the bash of the beach. But I think we have to. See, I mean, it's crow sting. At the end of the day, you know, um, Fla- you know, Flair, Flair's Flair, but uh, you know, he's not going to not be the Nature Boy, um, and that's his that's his most over gimmick. Why? Why would Sting be anything but the Crow? 
That's yeah, uh, true. But, but you know, it's, day, it's always it fun was... to think about. Like just seeing him come out of surfer sting, just it it would be like, I would mark out 100 percent But oh, yeah, that, that, that's just me personally. But you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of things going on in professional wrestling and so much more that's going to be coming. It's going to be a lot of exciting things happening, especially with Royal Rumble around the corner. So we'll definitely have to do another uh putting up predictions. Oh, and yeah. We'll have to put another thing on the line for that one. But you, you know what hurt say- my heart, Cody, is we went to the last promotion and, and everybody seemed to be really disappointed that you're going to be the one getting chopped. I know, right? I mean, it, it, trust me, like- I'm going to give you the best reactions that you could possibly think of. And it's going to hurt like you know what, no matter who it's going to be. Because I remember we talked to uh, Xander King and Logan Stevens about it. You know, Logan says that he's not much of a chopper, but it doesn't matter either way. I'm still getting chopped in the chest three times. And it's going to hurt like crazy. So either oh, yeah. way, we, either one of us is going to give you great reactions. And John's going to give you great reactions whenever he gets uh, his armpit waxed with duct tape. Uh, about <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to our episode here. Like we always say, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube. Go subscribe to our channel and go look at all of our content that we have. We will let you know of any upcoming events that are going to be coming up here soon. If we go to any promotions, we'll let you know about that. But as always, keep it five stars.